1: Shiva an la ilaha Shiva 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 أشهد أن محمد رسول
0: In Alhamdary La, In Alhamdary La, he Nahmedu, who wanna star inu, who wanna stalk Firu. When no minubi, wanna tawakalo, Ali, when I owe the billahim in Shururi and Fusina. Women say ye atey armarina. May yehdi hilahu fella modilla. Women you blil fella hadiella. la ilaha illa lahu wachda hula shari kara. واشهد ان سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله يقول الله جل وعلا في كتابه الكريم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم. وما يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما. أما بعد فإن أستقل الْحَدِيثِ كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي سيرنا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدع وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أعاظن الله وإياكم منها أجمعين. Amma Bad. Dear brothers and sisters, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Holy Quran Walla Arsalna Musa bi ayatina anachirij kaumaka mina volumati ila noor. Wa the kirhum bi ayamila in nafidari kala ayatin likulis obadi in shakur. He tells us, indeed, we sent Musa with our signs, telling him, lead your people out of darkness and into light and remind them of the days of Allah. Surely in this are signs for whoever is steadfast and grateful. Dear brothers and sisters, last week we opened the khutbah with this verse from Surat Ibrahim. In this verse, Allah Ta'ala instructed Prophet Musa to lead his people out of the darkness of disbelief to the light of iman, from the darkness of oppression to the light of freedom and justice, and from the darkness of humiliation to the light of honor. And last week, we were fasting. We were fasting on that day, the day of Ashura, commemorating the victory that Allah Ta'ala gave to Prophet Musa Alayhi salam, And we also spoke about the important figure in our Islamic history, Imam Hussein ibn Ali, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, who also attained victory on the day of Ashura. It was a victory, although it was also a very tragic day. Now Allah Ta'ala does not judge victory or defeat by the worldly outcome as we see it. Musa alayhi salam was always victorious before, during and after his confrontation with Fir'aun and likewise with Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu anhu when he stood up to tyranny and was betrayed, Despite his martyrdom, he secured victory. And so today, insha'Allah ta'ala, we want to take out some time to remember the bravery, determination, and sacrifice of this grandson of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa, alayhi wa sallam, Imam Husayn ibn Ali radiallahu anhu, who was martyred by the tyrant Yazid and his forces, his forces of tyranny martyred for standing up for justice and speaking truth to power. Dear brothers and sisters, as we said last week, the family of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Ahlul Bayt, don't belong to a particular group of Muslims. They all belong to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from whom they descend and he loved them and he prayed for them and he also ordered us to love them, so our discussion about them is an extension of our love for their grandfather, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Allah Taala speaks about the Ahlul Bayt in the Quran, and he tells us that he wills to remove from them impurities. He says, Subhanahu wa Taala inna ma yuriidu Allah liyuzhib rijsa bait wa yutahhirakum tathhirah. Allah only wills to remove defilement from you and purify you with an exacting deep purification. And that tells us something very important. The fact that Allah communicates in his Quran that he wills to purify them, that tells us that they may receive many tests, many tribulations, many challenges that purify them and raise them up. Tested in carrying the message of their grandfather, sallallahu One such test was the test that occurred on the day of Ashura with the grandson of the Prophet, sallallahu Imam Hussein. Now, before we tell this story, dear brothers and sisters, we should look at the different ways people approach this story. When it comes to this story, there's three approaches a person can take. Number one, they could ignore it altogether. They ignore it. Don't talk about it. Act as if it never happened because of the sensitivity of the event and the emotions and the sectarianism that it might stoke. This is what most people do. And sometimes that is for a good reason because they're dealing with a mob mentality. That's one approach. The other approach is to talk about the martyrdom of Imam Hussein in an over embellished manner that is meant to stir emotions, that is meant to stoke the flames of sectarianism and discord. And some people do this as well, but this is not the right approach. The third approach and the approach that I attempt to take bi Ta'ala is to talk about this story because it is a story that has lessons for every single one of us, but a story that we have to tell with maturity and with frankness while attempting to derive lessons from the story that will impact every single one of us. This is what we want to do, and this is what the great imams have done throughout history. So in all things, dear brothers and sisters, we want to avoid extremes. And in this story... There are lessons for every single one of us, for every single Muslim who avoids ghulu, extremism on one side, and avoids jaffa on the other side, coldness and dryness where it's not seen as something important. So let us go to the beginning, to this story that every single Muslim should know. This story I'm telling you in a very abbreviated format because there are... Hundreds of narrations that describe the events. So, in the interest of brevity, we simply present the story in as basic a manner as we can in this short khutbah, insha'Allah Ta'ala. We start from the beginning and we note that Imam Hussein Radiallahu Ta'ala anhu received many blessings as well as many tests. His grandfather is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa, alayhi wa his mother is Sayyidina Fatima Zahra. His father is Imam Ali. His older brother is Imam Hasad. He's from the Ahlul Kisa, the elect, the core of the family of the Prophet. Wasallam. Husaynun minni wa ana min Husayn. The Prophet alayhi wa alayhi wasallam, tells us that Husayn is from me and I am from Husayn. Now, when the days of trouble appeared, the days of fitan, Imam Hussein had to bury his father, Imam Ali, who was assassinated by some of the Khawarij sectarians. Later, he had to bury his brother, Imam Hassan, who was poisoned by some of the enemies of the Ahlul Bayt, by people who only cared about revenge, who only cared about asabiya, tribal bigotry, and hamiyya, who only cared about power and position at any cost even at the cost of truth. And as the years went by, things only got worse. When Yazid became the ruler, Imam Hussein, radiallahu anhu was threatened to pledge his loyalty to Yazid. But Imam Hussein is a symbol of haqq and Yazid is a symbol of tyranny, of batil. And Imam Hussein knew that he could not put his hand in the hand of Yazid. And even if he did, he also knew that they would still plot against him. So he had no choice. Imam Hussein and his supporters were against tyranny and injustice, against oppression, and against changes to the deen of their grandfather. So he refused to put his hand in the hand of Yazid. He refused to pledge loyalty to this tyrant. So this envoy representing Yazid came to him in Medina and demanded that he pledge this loyalty. But Imam Hussein said to Yazid, this corrupt individual, we the family of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in whose household Allah revealed the Quran to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, one like me does not put his hand in the hand of that kind of individual. It's not going to happen. Imam Hussain is a mujtahid, he's a great scholar, he's a great leader. And he was followed, his example was followed by so many people in that time. And he believed that he could not give political legitimacy to Yazid by pledging allegiance to him. And he was not alone. There were others who felt the exact same way among the sahaba and among the tabi'un. And they felt the same way since the political agreement before was that the Khilafah should be selected by the elders in the community through a process of shura and not become a monarchy that is passed on from father to son and so on. So Imam Hussein knew he had to leave Medina because he was facing the imminent threat from the forces of Yazid. So he headed to Mecca with his family and followers and remained there for four months. And we understand from this that he was not seeking a fight. He was not seeking violence or bloodshed. That's one of the reasons why he went to Mecca in the first place, because Mecca is a place of aman. It's a place of safety, of security. And so he's seeking safety and security, seeking to avoid conflict and bloodshed. That's why he went to Mecca. But he also knew that tyrants don't observe limits. And he had a feeling that his, he was bidding his time in Mecca and that it's only a matter of time before the tyrants tried to strike at him even in the holy city of Mecca. So he realized there was no guarantee for his safety even there in Mecca al-Mukarrama. Now during this time, the narrations tell us that he began to receive messages, letters from Muslims in the city of Kufa, pledging to give their loyalty and support for him and asking him to travel there and seek safety. They said, we will pledge our fealty to you, come to us. And so Imam Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhu sent his cousin Muslim Ibn Aqeel to go to Kufa to make sure their invitation was genuine and to get a sense of the situation there. Now, when Muslim ibn Aqil arrived, he was given a very warm welcome. And eventually, staying there for multiple days, he was able to get 18,000 people who swore loyalty to Imam Hussein. So he felt that this was a good place to be. And Muslim ibn Aqil wrote back to Imam Hussein stating that the people of Kufa have pledged their support. Now, during this time, the word gets back to Yazid. And Yazid immediately sacked the governor of Kufa and appointed an individual named Ubaidullah bin Ziyad to deal with the issue. Now, when Ubaidullah bin Ziyad arrived in Kufa, those Kufans who pledged their loyalty broke off and betrayed Muslim ibn Aqil, leaving him with just 30 people, all of whom were arrested by this new governor, Ubaidullah bin Ziyad. And when this happened, Muslim Ibn Aqil realized what's going to transpire. Imam Hussein is already making his way. And this has happened. And there's no way he can get a message back to Imam Hussein, So he begins to weep when he realizes what's going to happen as Imam Hussein is getting closer and closer to Kufa. Now there's an important point to mention here, dear brothers and sisters. Because this story is everywhere. You can go online and find lots of talks and lectures all about this event. There's an important point to mention here. There were two groups of people who did not go out and support Imam Hussein. Two groups. There were those who were insincere from day one. Insincere. And then there were those who were sincere, but they became scared and succumbed to cowardice when it was time to act. When Ubaydullah and his forces came, they got scared. Cowardice overcame them. And so they fled. Now this latter group, they were sincere. But out of cowardice they fled. But later on this group regretted their cowardice. And later formed an army that stood up against the tyrants. And they called themselves Jais al Or the army of those who are making tawbah, repenting. Led by the Sahabi Sulaiman ibn Surah al-Khuzai radiallahu anhu. So they came back and made Toba for that cowardice. We should understand this. And in that is a lesson as well. right? The lesson is talk is very cheap. It's very easy to talk about grand ideas and what should be done in society, in the community. It's very easy. It's very easy for a person to say, I would do this and I would do that. This is what I'm willing to do. But the true test is when it's time to act. You know, a person hearing this story may wonder in amazement. How could they pledge their support to Imam Hussein but run away when it is time to act? How could they do that? But how often do people suggest grand ideas for improving society, for improving things in the community? But when it's time to go beyond words and actually put in the work, they're nowhere to be found. People who are armchair critics, armchair politicians, they have the solutions for all of the problems in society. But when it's time to actually put those solutions to practice, they're still sitting in their armchair talking. They're nowhere to be found. That is a human reality. So the lesson just in that for all of us is to not just talk the talk, but to walk the walk. One should not be surprised at those who ran away when that is unfortunately the norm for most people. People love to complain. They love to complain about how things should be improved. But when it's time for them to actually do the work to improve those things, they're nowhere to be found. So moving on, Imam Hussein is about to make his way to Kufa and he's unaware of this betrayal. And before he left for Kufa, we understand that some of the Sahaba were warning him. They were warning him about going to Kufa and they felt that the people are going to betray him. And there were a number of Sahaba who stopped along the way as he was leaving, saying, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think you should go. But he did not listen to a single one among them. Why didn't he listen? He did not listen because he knew he had a mission. He had to take a stand for justice. He already knew what lay ahead, not the specifics, but he knew that he had to take a stand. And as we said earlier, Imam Hussein was not some layman. He was not some common person. He was not uh, an uneducated individual. He is a mujtahid, one of the great ulama of the Sahaba. He was a mujtahid. And as a mujtahid, one is not bound to obey others. You make your ijtihad, you don't go against your ijtihad for following the opinions of others. But there's a lesson in here too, dear brothers and sisters. The sahaba in this trying time were opposed to tyranny. And they had different perspectives on the best way to handle that tyranny. Some of them preferred silent da'wah and waiting it out, holding fast and being patient. While others like Imam Hussein, spoke out and took a more active position. These are both valid positions to take in times of tyranny. We don't pit one group of sahaba against another group of sahaba. None of them supported tyranny in any way. Each of them made their ijtihad about the best way to handle that time of tyranny. So as Imam Hussein radiyallahu anhu draws closer to Kufa, he soon realizes what's happening. He begins to try to change his route. But as soon as he tries to change the route to go back, he is soon surrounded by a group of 1,000 soldiers under the command of a person named Hur bin Yazid. It wasn't a fight just yet. It was a stalemate, a back and forth discussion between these two groups. But SubhanAllah, what we read in the story of Imam Hussein is that at this stage, this group that intercepted them, they ran out of water. They ran out of water, all their water supplies were finished. And they're out here in the hot sun in the desert, and they're getting dehydrated without any water. What does Imam Hussein do? Imam Hussein, Radiallahu Anhu, sent reserve water that they had to the forces of Hurr ibn Yazid. People who are about to fight him. This is the Futuwa. This is the chivalry and the dignified stance of Imam Hussein. He sends them water. And on the night of Ashura, the night before, Imam Hussein gathers his supporters, and he says, after praising Allah Ta'ala, I am certain that they shall fight against you tomorrow. So I give you all permission to leave me. The darkness of this night has covered you. So those of you who have the strength should take one of my family members and let him depart in your midst. For it is me they seek. If they see me, they will not bother pursuing you. What would you do if you were in that situation, dear brothers and sisters? Where you're given the chance to escape in the night. And leave Imam Hussein all by himself the next day. When he said this to his followers, the family members and the followers all said, May Allah not allow us to remain alive after you. Wallahi, by Allah we will never part ways with you The family members and the followers had the exact same sentiment We're not going anywhere And when the morning arrived on the day of Ashura Imam Hussein radiallahu anhu made a very powerful dua In a part of that dua he said "O oh Allah, you are my reliance in every distress My hope in every difficulty and you are my support in every tribulation that descends upon me. You are the owner of every grace and the possessor of every good. Moving along in this story, there's a conversation that Imam Hussein has with one of the generals of the forces of Ubaydullah bin Ziyad, Umar bin Sa'ad. And in this conversation, Imam Hussein says to Umar bin Sa'ad, Don't be hasty. Don't be hasty. By Allah, I did not come to you until I received letters from your compatriots lamenting about the death of the sunnah, the rise of nifaq, hypocrisy, and the abandonment of Allah's limits. So come forward. Let's come together. For perhaps Allah will bring reconciliation in the ummah by means of you. I have come to you, but if you are averse to my presence, I will return. So you too should return to your people. Then Imam Hussein said, is it fitting for you to kill me? Is my blood halal? Am I not the son of your prophet's daughter and the son of his cousin? Are not Hamza, Abbas and Ja'far my uncles? Has it not reached you what Allah's Messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa about me and my brother? So Imam Hussein anhu and his family and followers were between 70 and 80 in number. And eventually, talks break down. They left them with no choice. And eventually, the drums of war begin to beat and a battle ensued. The followers were slain one by one. Now at this part of the story, I don't want to relate the painful and gruesome details. But I will say that eventually in that fight, Imam Hussein radiyallahu anhu was standing alone, standing before his enemies, wounded in multiple places and bloodied. He was surrounded by his soon-to-be killers but these soon to be killers at this stage were very hesitant. They were scared, they were shaking. They took part in this crime. But at this stage, they're terrified of the prospect of being the one to deal the final death blow to the grandson of the Prophet So they're hesitating. And it was at that point that the wretched bin shouted at the troops, to kill Imam Hussein radiyallahu anhu, and so he was slain. He was martyred. Wa inna illahi wa inna idahi rajuun. Wallahu lahu wa laqoote illa billahi alaihi alaazim. Shimer bin the Joushan traveled back to Sham with the head of Imam Hussein radiyallahu anhu to show to Yazid. And the scholars noted this coincidence, just as. His head was presented to a tyrant. Prior to him, Prophet Yahya salam was also beheaded. And his head was presented to a tyrant of Banu Israel. This is the way it is. Seventeen men from the family of Imam Hussein were martyred that day. His sister Zainab was captured and paraded in the court of Yazid. But she stood her ground and spoke firmly. Dear brothers and sisters, this is the Mukhtasar. This is the abbreviated version of this very detailed and painful story. But this story is for everyone. The question I want you to ask yourselves is who really won on that day? Was it the forces of Yazid? Or was it Imam Hussein and his followers? Who really won? Outwardly, Yazid and his forces won. But in standing up for haq. Imam Hussain anhu kept lit the flame of justice, love and sacrifice so he is the true victor radiallahu anhu this is not the end of the story because the persecution continued after this, it even ramped up, but this one stance lit the flame it created a greater awareness within the ummah and many of the descendants of Imam Hassan and Imam Hussein eventually due to the persecution had to flee and seek safety and peace in order to live Islam and so many of the descendants of Imam al-Hassan and Imam al-Hussein during that very trying time in our history chose to leave and go as far as field as North Africa and Morocco and as far as India and that is important for many of you dear brothers and sisters because for most of you most of you your islam the fact that you are sitting in the masjid today as a muslim that is due to the choice of those many descendants who migrated east and migrated west as far afield as morocco and india with their character their piety and their knowledge and who spread the light of Islam to your great, great, great grandfathers. That is the reality for a great number of people today. The fact that they were persecuted, they had to flee. The fact that they fled, they settled as minorities spreading Islam with their character and knowledge. Islam took root in those places and now you're sitting here right today. So in a, in a major sense, you are a fruit of that sacrifice and the second order effects that it caused. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honor Imam Hussein radiallahu anhu and be pleased with him. And we ask Allah ta'ala to instill in us the lessons of his sacrifice and not let it be in vain. Ameen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa Salati, Wa atammu tasleemi Ala Sayyidina Muhammad Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi Wa man Ida bisunnatihi Ila yawm al wa ba'd Dear brothers and sisters, The martyrdom of Imam Hussein Is considered One of the greatest crimes And tragedies In the history of Islam Universally In his Majmu' al-Fatawa Al-Imam Ibn Taymiyyah he says and I quote The murder of Hussein was one of the greatest catastrophes in history indeed his killers are the worst of creation in the sight of Allah He goes on to say As to those who killed Al-Hussein or assisted in that act or were pleased with it May the curse of Allah, the angels, and all of people be upon them. No deed will be accepted from these people, from Allah, as compensation for their heinous crime. This is what Imam Ibn Taymiyyah says, echoing what countless scholars have said about this horrible tragedy. But beyond the anger, beyond the sadness of that event, there is for us layers and layers of meanings and teachings. Very powerful lessons contained within this story. And among these lessons is the lesson of true honor. The events of Karbala remind us that all honor belongs to those who are beloved to Allah Ta'ala, even if the opposite appears to be the case. The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was the most honored of humanity. Yet we know he faced trials and tribulations. He had camel guts dropped on his back and shoulders as he was in Salat in Mecca. He was pelted with stones at Taif and bloodied from head to foot. His forehead was split on the battle of Uhud and his tooth was broken. He tied stones around his blessed stomach out of hunger in Medina. Yet all honor belongs to him despite the persecution. And before him, we see that all physical, all material, all military strength was in the hands of the tyrant Fir'aun. Yet all honor belonged to Musa alayhi salam. As he was rescuing his people and taking them, they were getting closer to the sea and they could see Fir'aun and his forces getting closer and closer. And the people thought, this is it, we're done. And Allah Ta'ala mentions this in the Quran. They said, la لمدركون لَمُدْرَكُونَ We're trapped. But Musa Alayhi salam knew the reality. And Allah mentions his words in the Quran, "Kalla." (inaudible) Inna مَعِيَ Rabbi سَيَهْدِينَ No, my Lord is with me and he will guide me. So honor was with Musa alayhi So whoever wishes to humiliate those whom Allah has honored will be humiliated. And whoever wishes to honor those whom Allah has honored will be honored by Allah ta'ala. When Sayyiduna Hussein anhu was martyred it was not that he was humiliated those who were humiliated on that day were his killers he attained the greatest honor from his Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala we see in that story that one of the survivors Imam Ali ibn hussein Zain al-Abidin radiallahu anhu he went on to be the father of Thousands upon thousands of great imams and scholars and pious people, people of taqwa, people of ilm, people of principles, people of justice. Another lesson from the martyrdom of Imam Hussein radiallahu anhu is that it teaches us the nature of the world and its reality. Anyone who reflects on this story of Karbala will gain a very deep insight into the nature of this world, of the hereafter, the nature of evil, and the reality of Tawheed. Because you can hardly come up with a more disastrous and more evil event of a ruthless massacre of so many of the nearest and dearest of the household of the best of creation, Sallallahu Wasallam. You can hardly come up with a more in-your-face example of the bad guys winning than this story. And on the surface, that's true. On the surface, this is the story of the bad guys winning and the good guys losing. But that's just it. That's the surface level. But the surface is so different from the reality. The Prophet tells us in a hadith recorded by Bukhari that when he was in the Mi'raj, in the heavenly realms, he saw a prophet who had with him just nine to ten followers. And then he saw another prophet who only had two or three followers. And then he saw a prophet, وَلَيْسَ مَعَهُ أحد. He said no one was with him. That prophet was all alone. Meaning, that prophet he saw in the Mi'raj did not have any followers during his earthly mission. No one listened. No one followed him. Some followed the other three or four. Some followed the other nine or ten, but they only have this many people, and some have none. So by the material standard, with that limited perspective, would we say that those prophets failed? Can you say that any of the prophets failed in their mission? Can a prophet be a failure? No. They were victorious in carrying out the message they received from Allah, despite the few followers they gained. Our measure of success, dear brothers and sisters, must go beyond the material and must extend to the hereafter. Another lesson in the martyrdom of Imam Hussein radiyallahu anhu is one should aim to live a life of honor, free of humiliation, to have izzah, in one of his speeches there before the battle, Imam Hussein radiyallahu anhu said that the authorities of Kufa had given him only two options, humiliation or death. Those were the two options. And he said, and we do not accept humiliation. That's what he said. His stance teaches us the value of dignity, the value of honor, of respect and refusing to humiliate ourselves. Another lesson from this story is that you have to be very wary from following the crowd, from following the mob. On the day of Ashura, Imam Hussein anhu was addressing the troops of Yazid and he said, if you are not following the teachings of Islam, then at least as ahrar, as free men, be independent of judgment. On what basis do you fight me? The mob mentality is very dangerous, brothers and sisters. Whether it is through sectarianism or tribal bigotry or politics, whatever it may be, the mob mentality has no aqal. The mob mentality has no intellect. So if you want to preserve your intellect, you have to avoid getting caught up in trends and groupthink and following the mob. You have to be critical. Another lesson from this story, dear brothers and sisters, is that it's never too late to change. It's never too late to repent. In one part of the story that we didn't tell, al Riyahi, who was the first commander to surround Imam Hussein's troops and prevent their access to water. He gives us a really beautiful illustration of Tawbah because here is a person with the forces of tyranny, with the forces of Ubaydullah bin Ziyad, and he recognizes this is the grandson of Rasulullah. He began to regret being there on the other side, and so he spoke to Imam Husayn and said, Will Allah accept my Tawbah if I repent from being on this side? And Imam Hussein told him that it's never too late to repent. So one of the generals on the side of tyranny decides he's going to make Tawbah on the spot. So he switches sides, joins Imam Hussein, and was honored to be one of the first to fall in battle, fighting to defend Imam Hussein, Radiallahu Anhu. It's never too late to repent. It wasn't too late for him, and it's never too late for us, dear brothers and sisters. Lastly, of the many lessons we get from the story of Imam Hussein, when you look at what he and his family and followers endured, you realize they carried a huge load on their shoulders. And when you realize the sacrifices and pains they went through, it really helps you more patiently endure your own problems and burdens. They represent Love, honor, sacrifice, steadfastness, and standing up for principles. So, whenever we're having a difficult time, things are not going well in our life, whenever we're facing a Karb, a kind of distress, or a Bala, a tribulation, let us consider what they suffered at Karbala, which is the combination of Karbun wa Bala, distress, anxiety, and tribulation. What would make this grandson of the Prophet وسلم, take his family to such a harsh environment. On the outside, looking in, it almost seems like suicide. But the reality is he was taking a sacred stand to reestablish a principle after it had been destroyed. To leave the message, to leave for us the message of. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to show people that haqq is never measured by the number of weapons. Truth is not measured by the number of weapons or the forces, but it is measured by haq itself. May Allah be pleased with Imam Hussein and may Allah enable us to take these lessons to heart. And may Allah honor him and honor us by. Remembering these sacrifices and teachings that he left for the Ummah of his grandfather. Allahumma, Arina al-Hakka haqqan wa wa arina al wa O Allah, show us truth as truth and enable us to follow it, and show us falsehood as falsehood and enable us to avoid it. O oh Allah, enable us to value the sacrifices of those who have gone before us, and O oh Allah, strengthen our hearts to live by the timeless teachings of your Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa alihi Wasallam that they embodied the principles of love, of honor, of principles, of truth, of sacrifice, of dignity, of seeking the pleasure of Allah. You, Ya Rabbil Alameen, Rabbana aatina fil dunya hasana wafil akhirati hasana waqina adab al-nar Allahumma salli ala sayyidina Muhammadin abdika wa rasulika nabi rumi wa ala آله وصحبه وسلم تسليم كثيرا بقدر عظمة ذاتك في كل وقت وحين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين وقموا إلى صلاتكم وحمد الله